Well, good morning. Great to be back in Norfolk. Great to have my wife with me this morning. For those of you over the years who have missed the other two times when she was here with me, and you heard me talk about my wife, but you always wondered, hmm, does he really have one? Yeah, I really have one, uh, the same one for 38 years now, uh, and I'm glad to have her with me. We're on a two-week trip. Uh, we're on still on the front end of two weeks of travel. Um, went by the farm first, up from Arkansas, and had to stop in there and see both sets of our parents uh, who are alive in Jesus. And we're very thankful for them, and then came on over here to be with you, and then we're headed up to South Dakota and be involved there in something very special, and then uh, end up in North Dakota, and then back down through Iowa, back to Arkansas. So we voted early, so if you want to know if we were going to be able to vote, we took care of that. Before we left, because we'll be traveling on that particular Tuesday, the 8th. But uh, on a great trip, uh, we're excited about the, the things that uh, are going on. Rhonda is not only the HR director at Compact Family Services Hillcrest Children's Home, but she's also the, what's your latest title? Donor Relations. Um, so she's got her hands really full. Uh, I'm doing what I have for quite some time. I'm helping administrate uh, the organization, and which uh, I enjoy doing very much. And looking back, when God had me uh, make a connection with the Assembly of God Fellowship six and a half years ago now, uh, little did I know that the reason really that I was becoming ordained with the Assemblies was so that I could do what I'm doing in Hot Springs, because not Having been ordained, I could not have held the position that I'm holding. So we're a part of the Assembly's flagship organization for children's home, uh, maternity home, and transitional living center. It's the flagship for the entire United States. 50-acre uh, campus, uh, 23 buildings on that campus, 59 employees now. Uh, Rhonda can tell you for sure there's 59 employees because she deals with them and all of the uh, human resource part of that. And um, I'm involved with them in a different way. Uh, if you get hired, I'm usually involved. And if you get fired, I'm definitely involved. <laughs> so you come in, and this is your last day with us. Maybe you don't know it is yet, but uh, you, you get to talk with me, and we sit down, and I tell you, I've got good news, and I've got bad news. First, the good news. The good news is Jesus loves you tremendously. <laughs> He has a plan for your life. You're going to get to spend eternity with him. The bad news is, as of right now, this is your last day at Compact Family Services. But that doesn't happen very often. But somebody has to be the guy that does those things. And that's not the only thing I do, praise God. I get to do a lot of other things. And uh, in a roundabout way, so to speak, I get to have a part in the lives of those children uh, about 70 of them now on our campus from ages 2 all the way up through 21. And so it's a, it's a privilege to do what we're doing. It's somewhat of a change of gears uh, for me. Uh, I'm not ministering the word as much as I did in the past, uh, but uh, we're still enjoying the Lord Jesus and walking with him. And I've got a word from God for you this morning. Uh, I wouldn't have come if I didn't. I really wouldn't have. Uh, 
I, I just said, Pastor Mike, I, I really don't have anything. I can't imagine saying that to you, but <laughs> no. But I, I, I wouldn't have if I didn't have. So I have something for you today. I believe it will be life-changing as you apply it to your life and let the Holy Spirit uh, do with it what he would like to do with it. So let's pray, and then we'll get right into that. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great church that you've raised up many years ago now, and we thank you for the awesome leadership of this church and the, the way the church has continued to evolve into that which you desire it to be, doing that which you desire it to do in this community and in this region. And this morning, I ask that you would speak through me by your spirit, that there would be a deposit made in your people that will help them to continue to move forward with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've been following Christ since Labor Day 1974, so 42 years walking with the Lord, and come this Thanksgiving weekend, I celebrate 40 years of ministry with the Lord. I can remember, Pastor, when we celebrated my 15th year in ministry, and we were in Baltimore, Maryland, and that was so exciting. And uh, a bunch of people around that eastern region of the United States got together and surprised me. And that was, that was a lot of fun. And uh, this anniversary will be a little different, uh, but it's still going to be fun because I'm still walking with Jesus, still hearing his voice, and still doing what I believe he wants me to do. And that's very important. My life in Jesus has been a series of assignments. I don't know if you can attest to that maybe in your own life, but varying assignments from him. Some people do maybe just one or two key things throughout their entire walk with the Lord. Uh, I've been one that's had several different assignments. And uh, um, maybe some of those, my wife felt like I drug her through them with me. Uh, oh, she's nodding her head. Honey, there's times you shouldn't nod your head. That's probably not one of them. But assignments. And so we believe we're on a particular assignment from God right now. Um, I'm not sure that it's going to be our last. Uh, and uh, I think when I mention that to her, uh, she receives that, but with fear and trembling. Oh, what could that mean? Uh, and I don't know what it means, and we're certainly not struggling in our own strength to try and figure out what that might mean. But a series of assignments. This past summer, I believe that the Lord wanted to say something special to me. Now, he's, he says a lot of special things to me, but I felt like this summer was going to be very special concerning something God was going to say. And the only thing I knew to do at the outset of the summer was read the book of Acts. That's all I knew to do, read the book of Acts. So what am I going to do? I'm going to read the book of Acts. Don't know where that's going to take me. Uh, here's what I did think, though. I'll just be honest with you. Here's what I thought. I'm going to read through the book of Acts one time this summer. And God is going to show me some of the most incredible things I've ever seen. That's really what I thought. So I start in. I'm listening to the book of Acts on my iPhone that's hooked into my Beam external speaker 
And then I'm reading also in my Bible as I'm listening to the book of Acts. I do it mainly in the mornings, but oftentimes there'll be other times during the day. And uh, I just kept listening, listening to a chapter, maybe a day or two chapters. And sometimes I'd get carried away and there'd be more than that. I got through the end of the book of Acts for the first time. And I really felt like God had not yet said anything special to me. So what do you do? Read it again. So I read through the second time and kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Well, you read through a third time. I got through the third time and I felt like there might have been one particular thing that God had said or impressed upon me, but I wasn't sure if that was necessarily the thing or maybe one of many things he'd want to show me. So what do you do? Well, you keep going. So I read through a fourth time. And the end of the fourth time, I felt like the same as the third time. I think there's that one thing that the Spirit of God is saying, but surely there's more. So what do you do? Well, you go through a fifth time. I got to the end of the summer. I got to Labor Day. The end of the fifth time through the book of Acts, and I realized that one thing that I had got was the thing for the summer. What I didn't realize was that one thing was the thing I'd bring to you. Join me in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 20. I know when you hear something like that, you're thinking, Randall, surely God was saying more than that one thing. Look at the time you put in. Oh, it wasn't a burden, folks. It was not a burden listening to and reading through the book of Acts five times this summer. Oh, oh, it was not a burden. Acts chapter 20, and I'll begin reading uh, with verse 17. And from Miletus, Paul, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, you know from this first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or await me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Now you're thinking, okay, what was that one thing? thing God said. It's in verse 24. 
None of these things move me. A lot of things had happened to Paul. A lot of unpleasant things had happened to Paul. A lot of bad things had happened to Paul. Here's what he says about all that. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. For the next few minutes, I want to share with you concerning living unmoved due to divestiture. And I'll define that for you as we, as we move along together. Living unmoved. Paul said, none of these things move me. A lot of things had happened. A lot of things had come his way. A lot of circumstances surrounding him and swirling around him. But he said, none of these move me. Look at somebody and say, none of these things moved him. Let me give you a definition for move. Move here means to communicate. Now remember, there's a negative on the front. They, he says, they don't move me. So move here would be to communicate. So he's saying, none of these things communicate with me. It means have to do with. None of these things have to do with me. Folks, you've got to be able to allow God. You've got to be willing to allow God to show you what around you is of him and what is not of him. And you've got to let him help you make sure those things around you that don't align with his promises, you've got to make sure that they don't move you, that they don't communicate with you, that they don't have anything to do with you. That's your choice. It also means part of my account. So he's saying these things are not part of my account. I hate to use the word success because it's, it's overused so many times. But if I could say there's one of many, but if I could say one of the keys to success for me has been quickly identify over the years what's of God and what's not of God and stay away from what's not of God. Now, I know that's an oversimplification. You're thinking, yeah, right. Yeah, well, that sounds good. But no, it's a matter of identifying what's going on and being able to brand it as that is of God and I receive that or that is not of God and I will not allow that to be part of my life. I've had some things go on around me over the years that had I let them in, it would have been really bad. Paul says, they're not part of my account. It means to belong to you. So he's saying here, they don't move me. They don't belong to me. That's not mine. Well, it sure acts like it's yours. It, it sure is there in a big way. It's, it's not mine. It's not of me. It's not mine. 
the key was Paul had things around him, but the things that weren't of God, he wouldn't let get on him and therefore wouldn't let them get in him. Just because it's around you doesn't mean it has to get in you. So be, be cautious, be alert, be attentive concerning what's going on around you and don't let it on you and certainly don't let it in you. Things happen, but they don't have to be allowed to determine your outcome. I'm not denying that poop happens. It happens. I'm not denying that bad things happen to God's people. What I'm saying is don't elevate your experience above the promises of God. Identify what's going on and keep what's good and get rid of what is not. He's also saying this, according to the definition of this word move, none of these things provide for me. That's what that word, when it says they don't move me, Move without the don't would mean they provide for me. He's saying they don't move me. They don't provide for me. Who provides for us? Not only does Jesus provide for us, he is our provision. He's more than just provider. I'm thankful he's my provider, but he's also my provision. So I'm going to watch what's going on around me. And I'm not going to let those things provide for me. I'm going to let Jesus provide for me. I have to remind myself of that regularly. In fact, I remind myself of that daily. I identify things. I, I, I love to analyze things. Sometimes I overanalyze. I realize that. But I analyze things. And I think that can be very good. I analyze what's going on. And I put it in one of two categories. Is that of God or is that not of God? And if it's not of God, I'm just going to stay away from it. Paul had all kinds of negative things happen to him. Part of this definition means this. These things secure me. If if we were to say this moves me, according to the definition of this word used in the New Testament, it's meaning it secures me. So Paul is saying these circumstances going on around me that don't line up with the promises of God to me and for me, They don't secure me. They're not going to anchor me. And I'm not going to anchor there in them. That anchor is not going to get in me because Jesus is my anchor. His hope is my anchor. I got you thinking about things and things that aren't of God. Let me take you to 2 Peter chapter 1 and show you some other things. Wouldn't want to just major on negative things. First, second Peter, I'm going to read a few verses of scripture here and you'll see six different times uh, this year of, of 2016, I'm, I'm, I'm using the King James Bible, I've 
hadn't used it for years. And so I went back to it for this year. Next year, I'll change and use a different translation. But this year, I'm using the King James Bible again. And um, listen in Second Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of the Lord of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things. Now, here's some good things. Paul, back in Acts 20, was saying, all those negative things that went on around me, they don't move me. Now we're seeing Peter, by the Spirit of God, say, the divine power of God has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things, now these are good things, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things, these good things, is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, these good things, ye shall never fall. That's a tremendous promise. Whoa, you could stop right there and just spend the rest of the day. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here comes another one. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle or physical body to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. So we have the things of Acts 20 that, Paul said he had experienced that had went on around him and even in his life that did not move him. And then we see here in Second Peter chapter 1 the things that are to move us. We want to be moved, but we want to be moved by the right things. So we need to be unmoved when it comes to the negative things of this world system that go on around us. I won't take the time to go there if I were doing a series. Obviously, obviously I'm not. But if I were doing a series here, we'd go to 1 John uh, chapter 2 and we would look at some very important things there about the things that are of this world, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. 
Those are the things that are a part of the world we live in. Those were the things that were driving the people that were giving Paul a difficult time. And maybe you've had some of those same people. It'd be their cousins. It'd be their descendants that maybe the enemy has used to do some bad things in your life. I don't know. Maybe you've come across some of those. I know I have. I just don't let them move me. I may not say that to them literally, but I'll tell you what, when I'm not in their presence, I'm declaring what they're doing and what they're saying will not move me. They will, that will not be a part of my life. I will not hang my hat on that. That will not drive me. That will not secure me. That will not determine who I am or what I'm going to do. That's why I can look at anybody and just smile at them, no matter how mean, how ugly they might be. My smile is saying, oh, if you only knew. I'm going to take care of all this when I get away from you and I get into the presence of God by myself. I'm going to, I'm going to use my little mouth here and I'm going to declare the righteousness of God. I'm going to declare the promises of God. I'm going to take authority over every negative thing that the enemy would try to plan or assign against me and it is not going to get in me. Amen. That's by choice. Divestiture means simply this. It's a transfer of title. It's a disposal of interests or things. Tell you what we need on a daily basis is a divestiture. There needs to be a disposal of those things that maybe were trying to come against you that were assigned against you by the enemy, things that were said to you by someone else that was not inspired of God, they were inspired by another God, not the almighty God. You need to divest yourself of those things on a daily basis. That's what winners have to do. There's always something special about winners Uh, and I know there could be an elephant in the room. I'm so sorry that the Huskers lost yesterday. What a a great team they are, and and doing so well, and even though they lost the game last night, they're still a great team, amen? And I believe there's great things that will happen throughout the rest of this season. We have to divest ourselves. We've got to divorce ourselves. We've got to separate ourselves from those things that are not part of God's will for our lives. So there's got to be this disposal of interests or things. Paul wasn't moved by anything externally. He was moved, but not by external things. He was moved by those other things that we referred to in Second Peter chapter 1. He was moved by the things of God. He was moved by the interests of God. There's a, there's a key scripture concerning this in Matthew chapter 16. Let's, let's jump over there quickly and, uh, and, and tie this in before we move towards our conclusion. Matthew 16. Things, interests. God has his things. God has his interests. And man has his things or his interests. 
In, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, beginning with verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. I, I just, I marvel at that. I, 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 I smile at that. I, can you imagine somebody rebuking Jesus? Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. But he turned, Jesus, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, he's not referring to Peter as Satan. He's looking at Peter, and he's addressing the one that has influenced Peter to say what he's saying. Get behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You major on the things of men, Satan. You major on 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. That's where you major. That's where and what you're about. And Jesus says, get behind me. And that's what you and I have to do when we recognize that what is going on around us is not of God, it's not of the interests of God, it's not part of the things of God, but rather it's a part of the world system around us. And what we have to do is make sure we stay divested of the things of man, the works of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, and make sure we're embracing the things of God, the interests of God. All you got to do, folks, is make sure you stay in line with what pleases God, with what God is interested in, with what God has ordained for man. And one of the key ways we discover that is by the promises of God. I have endeavored by the help of the Holy Spirit to live my life based on the promises of God. Oh, I have had so many people around me over the years that have tried to throw me off course when it comes to the promises of God. Now, I'm a word man. I've been loaded with the word for years and years and years. And I'm not one you want to mess with and come at me saying, well, God don't do that anymore. Or, well, you know, that's not relevant for us. And here's what I say to him. It may not be relevant for you by your choice, but it's relevant for me. And God's promises are his interests. And that's the route I'm going. I don't know what you're going to stand on. I don't know where you're going to get your security, but my security is going to come from the promises of God. Paul was moved by none of those external things, none of those circumstances that were going on around him. And you don't have to be either. I said, you don't have to be either. I don't have to be either. I don't have to be moved by that. 
I can live a life when it comes to those things that are not the interests of God. I can live a life unmoved. And it'll be due to divestiture. It'll be because I have allowed God to strengthen me and to encourage me and to help me to sever myself from all those things that are not the interests of God. Let me share with you one key scripture to close this off. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. And I'll tell you a little story. Philippians chapter 1. My wife likes stories, so I'll tell a little story while she's here. Philippians chapter 1. In fact, let's just look at one verse, which is very difficult for me to do. I would that you would understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me. Here's Paul in his letter to the church at Philippi. Oh, I love this. Oh. I love this. The things which happened unto me. And these again were negative things. Some of them were horrible circumstances that he went through, experienced. These things that happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Let me give you some definition for fallen out from the King James here. Simply, they turned out. And here it is. In a nutshell for you this morning. Paul said, these things have fallen out. They've turned out, but they didn't turn in. You can live that way, folks. Stuff's going to happen. Stuff happens. Is it going to turn out or turn in? Are you going to make it turn out or are you going to let it turn in? I've just made the choice. It ain't turning in. It ain't coming in. It ain't getting in this house. It goes on around me, but I choose not to be influenced by it. I choose to be anchored in the promises of God. I'm going with God. I'm going with what God has said. And I'm not going with what somebody else says that's contrary to what God said. The circumstances are going to happen, but the circumstances can be made to turn out and not turn in. Things or external circumstances literally, in Paul's case, turned out. And we must choose that our circumstances will turn out and not turn in. We we all experience circumstances. Make sure the circumstances stay outside you and don't get inside you. Rhonda and I like to kayak. Now, you might be looking at us and going, can't believe you'd kayak. You You don't look like kayakers. You've probably got this profile in mind. I don't know. And a kayaker to you is about... Oh, I don't know, 30 years old, 40 years old. I, I don't know what, what you have in mind, but we kayak. And uh, up until less than a year ago, we, we each had our own kayak, and now we've went to a tandem kayak. I don't particularly like the tandem kayak because I like to be in charge 
of my kayak. And when we do the tandem thing, oh my. (laughs) She goes, do you want me in the front or do you want me in the back? And I'm thinking, I don't want to offend her. But if she's in the back, (laughs) if, if she's in the back she plays the key role in where we're going and uh, but so anyway she's in the back we love to kayak and i haven't done as much this past uh summer as we normally would because it's either been raining a lot or it's been so hot and that's just not the most fun setting to be kayaking in if it's raining, of course, or if it's really, really hot. We, we just don't like that. But we kayak, and we've been on all kinds of different lakes, all kinds of different settings, Spencer Bay, uh, ha- Lake Hamilton, Lake Washita. We've just been in all kinds of different situations and taken lots of pictures, and that's, that's fun. But if I see a boat, meaning a larger watercraft, coming our way, you know, when you're in a kayak, they're small. And you've got to have your ducks in a row. You really have to think it through. You just can't go, hey, you know what, let's just go kayaking. And just get out there and just paddle around with no plan. Oh, no, you've got to have a plan. If I see a larger watercraft coming our way, I'll just paddle a little closer to the shore if I can. Sometimes I can't. I'm already out in the middle of the lake, and here it comes, and I'm thinking, okay. So I know there's going to be wake, there's going to be waves created, and what I don't want to do is get crosswise with those waves or that wake. I'm going to hit it, not necessarily totally head on, but just a little bit of an angle. But you don't want to get parallel with the wake. You don't want to try and accommodate the wake. Don't accommodate the circumstances. Don't do it. Paddle away from them, if possible, or if you can't necessarily do that, at least hit it a bit of an angle, but don't get parallel with it. Don't try to move with it. Don't let the circumstances in your boat. Now, we try to keep the water out of the boat at all times because if it were to get in the boat, it might then get in us. I mean, we wear life preservers for sure. You can tell a novice kayaker they don't have a life preserver on. That's ridiculous. We wear all that that we should, but we don't want the water in our boat and we don't want the water for sure in us and you don't want those things of acts 20 in you either but you have to make a conscious decision we make a decision to go kayaking but we also make a decision to do the right thing when we're out there and when bad things come across our path or come our way we do the right thing with them and we don't let them move us Conscious decision. We divest ourselves of those things. And we've never capsized. We never will. I know when Rhonda first started, 
you've had this happen to you. You start something new. You're all excited about it. And then I was going to call him a name. I won't. Somebody comes along and says, oh, you're doing that. You're going to church now. You're giving to the church. I can't believe it. Please tell me you're not tithing. Somebody came along to her after she first started kayaking. She, she had her own kayak, nice kayak. And some, I suppose she was well-meaning, I don't know. Yeah, more than one said, aren't you afraid? <laughs> you know where they're going with this. You're going to capsize and drown? <laughs> Rhonda's response was, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> So she comes to me and she goes, honey, I, I've had more than one person say to me, oh, had I thought about that? And she, I said, hey, we wear life preservers. We make good decisions when we're out there. And if poop comes our way, if negative circumstances come our way, we will be ready for them. We will deal with them. Now, remember, I'd made that decision before we went to the water. It wasn't just we get out there and stuff's happening. And you go, <laughs> mouth wide open. <laughs> we don't do that. We plan ahead that we're going to stay divested. It may go on around us, but it ain't getting in our boat. And it's certainly not going to get in us. <laughs> 